1: Welcome back to the Stateside Podcast. I am your host James MacMillan. Today we have a very special guest, a very delicious guest, dare I say? <laughs> and he's waving, he's fanning himself <laughs> off right now. Woo, flattering. Uh, today we have John McLucas.
0: Welcome to the show, dude. Thank you. I'm I'm so hyped to be here. Like, what a full circle moment this is from when we first met. Uh, yeah, at, man. At the summit.
1: It's been um, a short amount of time that I've known you, but in that short amount of time, I've talked to you a lot, and I I, I feel like I've known you for a long time. You're a really solid dude.
0: Thank you. Uh, you as well. I feel the same.
1: It occurred to me that I was wearing a Hawaiian shirt last time we spoke when we did a live Instagram together, so I put on my silk, like, genuine Hawaiian shirt on for you. Wow. Right before we started this video,
0: you know what? In my head, I actually was wondering about that, and I was like, maybe he just loves Hawaiian shirt. Like, maybe that's his vibe.
1: No, I have oh. two. I have two Hawaiian shirts. I never wear them, and it just happened to have been the last time I wore one was around you. So I was like, you know what? Got to keep rocking the Hawaiian shirt for John. I
0: right, I'm putting that on my to do list. I need to pick up a Hawaiian shirt.
1: Yeah, yeah. That, that
0: could be that could be our thing.
1: Okay, I know who you are. I'm sure a lot of my audience knows who you are. But assuming there's people listening that doesn't can you give a quick bio on who you are and how you got to the place in the music industry that you are now
0: i primarily produce pop music and mixed pop music specifically in like the electro pop and dark pop subgenres. if you want to get really specific uh that's i've been doing this full-time for about three years now and prior to that super super quick i started drumming when i was about 10 and then in the high school range i started to realize. Cause you know, you start getting into bands, the whole kind of innocent, yeah. you know, journey of, Hey, you, Oh dude, did you just say you play guitar? Oh great. Okay. We're in a band now. Like, right now we're in you a know, band. You go th- yeah. You go through that process. And I started realizing pretty early on that I, well, I'll say this, I was actually an awful leader and I was an awful communicator in my defense. I was 16. Young. Yeah. I right. was, yeah. So I don't know if I was really fit to lead, you know, a group of people, but I did. Um, and I learned a lot and kind of from there I realized although misguided energy and not necessarily a good leader, uh, that I did take my stuff very seriously. And for a kid, you know, took it very seriously. I I had bands over in the living room, bless my parents for letting me bring other bands into our home. So I could record them on my crappy gear.
1: Oh, so you were that kid.
0: I was that kid. Yeah. And I was, I was hustling 15 bucks an hour out of the living room was doing that and kind of aside from that I asked you know my parents is like hey you know I've heard of these things called like like audio interfaces and stuff and they're like yeah yeah you're almost 16 why don't you get a job right like cool so when I went and interviewed I'm like hi nice you know why do you want this job? I'm like, well, I really want some audio gear. Mm. And <laughs> so, you know, I'm not going to I'm not gonna lie. I just want to get gear. And the yeah. longer I work here, the more gear I can get.
1: What was your first job?
0: Movie theater box office.
1: Oh, shit, yeah. So
0: front lines with the people, man.
1: Classic suburban kid.
0: Yeah, I crushed it, though. Like, I wouldn't say I was the most responsible, but I had a lot of fun with the people. Right. And I think that was a lot of actually, if I look really deep down into like, my ability to connect with people. Now, a lot of it has to do with the fact that people come in there and they're in all kinds of moods, like dealing with the public. So having understanding the early versions of like empathy and being able to understand mm. and think how problem solving and you have um, a family of five with three kids and they want to see a movie, but it's sold out. And the dad and mom are so stressed out and you need to figure out a way to try to make them happy and like leave feeling okay. Yeah. And stuff like that. So I learned a lot like really early on about talking to people and making them happy. So from there, um, a lot of great, like, I, I'm also very, very stupid blessed to have parents that were, uh, pretty on board early on. Cause they saw how, uh, freakishly obsessive I was about things. It's so important. So, too. oh man, I, 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 As much credit as they give me, like I give them probably more credit back just knowing that literally I see how devastating it is for people who don't have the support of their family. I know. Me too. And it's heartbreaking to see, and it absolutely crushes their ability to take those risks or to believe in themselves enough to even try to start. Um, So it's like having those two people in my life single-handedly was the best thing I could have ever hoped for. It's- eternal gratitude for who they've been as parents and that's great that I'm here right now. It never gets old how like near emotional I get when I kind of talk about this, them specifically.
1: Do you have any siblings? I
0: do. I have a sister. Great. And she's very much the opposite. She's very like academic. She's in her master's program. Right. I got a certificate. So I, I just beat high school, you know, very very different paths, but we we both go hard at our things she's like making data visualizations of graphs and stuff right right and i'm like check out this new sales framework <laughs> you know <laughs> look I at like the way music look, listen to that snare yeah uh <laughs> it's big so kind of from there i ended up going to musicians institute they had like a six nine month program for audio and from there it was just me slowly eating my savings uh from working at the theater because i you know once you have one interface and uh I think it was eight cables for $30 from Amazon, you know, you're good. Right. So I had all the gear I needed. I just kind of slowly chipped away at the savings and tried to freelance after that, uh, for about two and a half, three years, pretty, I mean like successful enough to where like the savings was dwindling just slow enough to, to to where I could survive. And I picked up like random odd jobs, like cleaning, you know, just stuff off of Craigslist that wasn't even music. Um, but that was fine. I just knew I wanted cash and I wanted it quick. And my favorite. car was from 1995, so I couldn't Uber. And uh, Postmates was, like, literally less than minimum wage um, when you do the math and all that stuff, so... The best thing I could do was Craigslist hustle and and work that game. So I, I'm very yeah. fortunate. Again, that some of my people skills I think helped me right out of the gate because I was very bad at my job at that point. Still
1: at production.
0: At production, yeah. I went from high school all D, like mostly DIY. We had a class, but the guy's definition of compression was turn the knobs till it sounds good, which isn't great when you have no idea. So then I did that that short program. Um, I had some of that elitism that a lot of people did, and then slowly got reality checked over time. But then I uh, did an audition at the school where I ended up working with this band and joining a band and got to tour for a couple of years from about three to five years ago. What
1: was the name of the band?
0: With Our Arms to the Sun. They're, uh, they had some like good energy and attention going on uh, when I joined them. So it was actually a pretty exciting moment for me because I got my introduction to touring and like managers and you know, booking agents and labels and blah, 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 like all this stuff.
1: Touring's the best for that, right?
0: It is. I, yeah, I cut I cut my teeth.
1: Yeah, anyone that wants to work in the music industry should, should, in some capacity, go TM for a band, sell merch. If you don't actually play music, figure it out.
0: Oh, yeah. I've told people that. It's like, yeah, just go DM 50 bands that you see touring when you like yep. look up, right hashtag and be like, hey, I will be your content creator and I will make you a daily playing, like just make room for me to sit. Yep. And I'll bring a backpack and a laptop yeah, and that's it yep i learned so much i did that i worked with the band hales
1: you meet so many people
0: oh yeah i still have people i talked to that i met on tour that are like good friends now right That we've me too you know we just meet from from that path so 15 years ago dang yeah that's in pre-internet or pre like scalable internet where you could
1: like myspace even before myspace is when i really started to tour
0: yeah yeah that that's pre-space yeah, <laughs> and from kind of from there, I pretty much got to this point where I was in the band, and you get this fully that you can't be in a band and make it number one and make, be have an audio business and have it be number one. So some of the guys were in a position financially where they could make no money from you know their significant others and other means they had to get income, but I didn't. So I right. in the end had to make a choice to be like, hey, I need to go all in on myself because with that's that's a four hour podcast, but like a lot of other stuff too. But on top of that, like, yo, I need money. Like I need to pick a business and I need to depend on myself because um, I'm going to run out. And there was a point where I couldn't pay rent. I had no savings. Like I was close to credit card debt, but blessedly I scraped because when you have nothing going on, you spend a lot of time on Facebook, just DMing people and Craigslist and uh, whatever the, all the little freelancing sites are. And eventually you'll get something. So I was able to escape debt life by a thread.
1: Other than producing and mixing, how would you do, because you do a lot of stuff. I do. You work with Warren, produce like a pro. Why would you best describe what you do?
0: So, I mean, the the production and pop production is the main business. Everything in my universe. So everything with Warren, um, you know, we we just ended up working together for a couple of months. It was a really good couple of months. But kind of from there, I moved forward with things in my own universe because I saw so much Tremendous opportunity. So, right. but things ended on like a, a tremendously great note. And oh,
1: so, basically, after I met you at Nam, you, you guys, you're not working with him post that. Yeah.
0: I think it was around uh, mid early February that, that we kind of wrapped stuff up. But at the end of the day, it even became a similar situation where I realized for myself, I see tremendous potential with everything I've built that I owe it to myself to continue to nurture that. And there's in the last even seven, eight weeks since that it's been an unprecedented amount of growth and like learning on top of that. So the, the production is the main thing, but on top of that, I've developed a lot of skills outside of it, especially in the content in video, uh, content overall, so audio and video skills because of guys like Gary Vee who have harped on it. Content is king, make a hundred of these a day, like all this kind of stuff. And it kind of, uh, for lack of a better word, almost bullied me into wanting to learn it. And I picked up a camera for the first time maybe 15 months ago now, 15, 16 months. But my assistant at the time, I was like, hey, if you want to come be homeless with me and sleep on the floor of my studio, come move to LA and uh, let's figure out how to do camera stuff (laughs) together.
1: It sounds like it's pretty natural or or more or less natural for you to bet on yourself. Yes. Can you talk about that? Like, is that something that was instilled to you by your parents or is that something you learned? (sighs)
0: Damn, that's actually, that's a tremendous question. I think it's a combination of both ends of it going well. Both of my parents are incredibly nurturing and in like a lot, you could kind of, you know, you kinda, you know like typical, like not typical because there's obviously a, a range of everything from evil to like loving when it comes to a parent. But I had uh, like almost textbook loving and nurturing parents who, who said like, hey, yeah, we know this is really crazy, but you. They, they just saw what I was doing. Yep. I had a YouTube channel that has more views than my YouTube channel does now. Like, I, I think I've probably passed a hundred K on a couple of my videos now. Wow. Um, they're old, like drum covers, but somehow the algorithm just like loves them. So they saw that there was like, oh, he's like making these videos and he's having bands over and he's like doing all this stuff. This is actually pretty possible right. for a kid who doesn't know any, you know, doesn't know anything. I was just like, Hey, you want to come record? And then, you know, uh, $15.
1: Because you're young.
0: I mean, you're only 25.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, when I was your age, I had confidence to double down on my strength for sure, but only in the framework of being a drummer. Okay, I'm I'm that. I know I can do that. Almost arrogantly. like I, I, I know I can do that. If there's one thing I can do, it's that. My relationships suck. I'm poor. T- everything else is a nightmare, but I can do that. I didn't have the confidence that I think you have at that age to know that you can ping pong and shift into something else. And I think that's something that you've already figured out at such a young age that, you know, yeah, production and mixing is great for you, but what, what's next? What else can I do with this? You wear a lot of hats.
0: Yeah. And and I think, I think a little bit of it is just honestly DNA. I think there's, I like the excitement. I think I was telling somebody uh, recently talking about a similar premise about betting on yourself for like, why are you doing all this stuff? And it's, I mean, part of oh, there's a lot of layers. One, one part of it is I love like escape rooms and I love games. And to me, the premise of like figuring out a great marketing strategy to sell a high ticket service business is as fun to me as playing settlers of Catan, right? Like there's just something I inherently enjoy about a complex critical problem that needs to be solved. And there's a million ways and a million strategies to win in Catan the same way that there is different ways to win strategies in business. But like it's, I just like the process of, of tink, like not tinkling, that's peeing, uh, t- uh, tinkering. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 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 peeing is great though. At, peeing it, is it's great. good. It's
1: needed. Yeah. It's required. Get in the
0: habit of it guys. Cause it's not going anywhere. Yeah. But I love the process of tinkering with things and kind of seeing what works. Like it literally is in a serious business sense, still a game. To me, I like right just throwing it out there. That's great. I put I made a post on Instagram today that's doing awful, and I thought it was actually going to do great. And I'm like, all right, well, that's that's fine. I don't know. I tried it, and <laughs> I'll, I have a few more queued up, so I'm going to still roll them out anyways because you don't know maybe it's just a bad day or moment or the copy was crappy. But like, I'm not attached to any of that kind of stuff. And I think on top, like, to go deeper than that though, because like playing games is cool and, and all that. But uh, I won't say who it is, but like how old was I 19 or so when one of my buddies lost his mother, she had cancer everywhere. It's like literally like full body cancer. I, I can't even name all the organs where it was when they found it, but weirdly and not weirdly, but interestingly enough, we got to, I got to visit her in what ended up being the day before she passed. It was like stage four everywhere. Like she was, it was, it was, honestly like horrifying to see somebody it, it being so destroyed by um such a a horrific horrific uh piece of her own body and something about like seeing the finality of that journey and like seeing it up close that was the first time i'd seen seen somebody not like oh your grandma died you know and i haven't seen her for six months but like seeing somebody a day before death under yeah. 80 pounds it's like it's so vivid and it just made me realize the finality of everything and, and it just kind of gave that like whole perspective of like the you only live once the uh you know, I think I owe it to myself. So one day when I am inevitably in that spot, like my Nana who's bedridden now, she's of good mind, but her body's kind of wrecked, you know, like there's a point where I'm going to be there and I want to be like, Hey, even if producing tanks and that's not what I do. And I, and I, and I run a dog food business, I'll be like, Hey, I went fucking crazy. I went so hard. I can say, I can die and be like, I gave it everything. Yeah.
1: Now, how how important is going all in on the career path? I guess what I'm asking is like the work-life balance. Is the answer ultimately, because this is something it took me a long time to figure out, and I think you figured out younger, is instead of a work-life balance, try to find stuff that you like doing that can be a balanced life like your life can be your career and i think that's what i'm trying to do now and it took me a long time to figure that out is that kind of where you're at
0: dude you know man you're hitting like a lot of interesting things that i've been thinking about because like even on the last point of like why you know going so hard at like on an on a kind of a note of that thing i think about dying a lot it's not something i really talk about a lot it's not that fun but like there's a lot i think about death probably more than most people do
1: don't take this the wrong way but you're also young yeah you're also young if you're anything like me i thought about it a lot in my 20s eventually you get old like i am and you let go (laughs) and and not just like in a real way you actually let go i'm i'm not saying i've reached some like nirvana but i i'm less worried about dying now than i've ever been that's for sure it gives you a lot of freedom to just go
0: I I wouldn't even say for me it's as much a a fear. It's just an appreciation for life Mm. that it gives me.
1: You're very aware of it.
0: That's how I come out of it. It's not like in a somber way. It's it's like, man, you know, I just want to lay down and be like, wow, I feel so enriched from what I've done today. When I wake up, it's like, God, I'm so glad to be here. Like, what what am I excited about? And I understand like, whoa, updating your CRM, like that's not exciting. Like nobody's like stoked to do these 12 follow-up emails, but like that's that's part of it and it still kind of maps to an end goal. But yeah, talking about the work-life balance stuff, it's an interesting conversation because there seems to be a lot of judgment on both ends of it where I think at the end of the day, kind of like what you're saying, I think we're both in positions where our careers are quote fun, like, like they're enjoyable experiences that we feel fulfilled in. So we inherently enjoy spending more time on it than perhaps uh somebody who has a job that they're there because it's stability and all that kind of stuff because it's like there's a big old chunk of it that's actually really cool like when i'm uh, i don't know it's in my calendar whenever the there's these songs coming in in the next few days like the bulk of that is actually is tremendously fun so i might work 12 hours and then do social media emails blah 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 after that but that's because it's actually fulfilling whereas I think a lot of people who may not be able to understand our position look at that as saying just oh twelve hours fourteen hours a day that's unhealthy you're rad like you're ruining your life where I can see it as no I'm actually like having a lot of fun right and then I do the the less fun if you want to even call I actually like doing the social media stuff um the less fun parts are means to continue the fun for us so yeah I think there's some of that judgment on that end. But at the same time, I know a lot of guys like us think like, yeah, it's like 40 hours a week. You're a fucking, you're a bitch. Like you're lazy. You know, there's that end too, which can become really toxic. And it's like, I think with everything, it's continually finding this gray space where I, I'm getting more okay with spending a half day away and not judging myself for spending a half day away. That's key. Yeah, because it's it's like so hard when you're like, oh well, what if uh, you know you know there's there's yeah we could fill those six hours with nothing and still feel like you know we've like worked hard and it had nothing to do to move our business or our clients or our anything forward. Um, and I always try to remember like a Graham Cochran. He's like a great example of not getting caught up in the fourteen to sixteen hour grind until your eyes are bloody energy. Um, and just being okay with like all aspects of work-life balance. There's going to be a week where I'm just like, I've taken days and I've watched a whole season of a dumb show on Netflix and ate popcorn in bed. And then I played bro force, which is like a scrolling shooting game. And I had so much fun and I'm like, oh, thank God I didn't do anything productive. That was great. And then I feel recharged and I go in the next day and that's great. And I just needed that that day. So I don't know, it's like a whole balance that that is really hard to define in a lot of ways for me. So
1: you're from LA, right? That's where you grew up?
0: No, I grew up like 30 minutes south of San Francisco. Oh, okay. And I came down here about six and a half years ago.
1: Well, even just growing up in California can shape some of that, I think. I've noticed a lot of people who are from California, especially if you're from LA, it can give you... Um, maybe a jump start, not even a jumpstart. You, you just see, you grew up in a working town. You grew up in a town that is full of a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of people trying things that are very hard, um, which is different than growing up in like, you know, a mining community in Pennsylvania. That's also a working town, but that's like a grind. And I did it because my dad did it and his grandpa did it and we all are miners. And that's different. Um, do you Do you think that growing up in california and being in los angeles has has helped you be more successful
0: i absolutely think it does in a lot of ways i i've tried to recommend people get their butts here however they can for a lot of reasons but i think on top of that so since i grew up in the bay area like in the midst of silicon valley and as i was, was a kid kind of growing up watched a lot of the transformation into that similar energy you know we've got Facebook, Stanford, Google, Dropbox, Twitter, all within like 30 minutes of a drive. That culture is very much there. And I think it's great. But again, it it has a dark side where we have like so many kids killing themselves in high school in the Bay Area because they don't have the self-awareness like we do where we understand grind culture is great, but it's a balance and they just hear from their parents that they don't have a 4.8 GPA, so they're a worthless piece of shit who won't get into Stanford. Horrible. And then there's literally a portion of a train track that is known for where kids go to kill themselves in the Bay Area because of the amount of stress, of success culture that's going on there. And I think that's a horrific small pocket, and it's heartbreaking to know that we don't change things for things like this, but I do think in the good versions of that culture, Yes, me being around – me being able to be around Warren Hewitt, me being able to be around like big big guys, gals who have done a lot of stuff where I'm the idiot in the room is so much better than just DMing them and talking about it. Like being in that energy, being able yeah. to be nearby and just like feeling the way they operate and like – this sounds so juju. Like feeling their energy. Oh, no, no. It's,
1: it's true, man.
0: But I'm feeling – their energy right and it's tremendous like i think people should be here if they're trying to take this seriously in in a larger city i'll say i think it's very helpful and a lot easier than doing it all digital for for a lot of reasons yeah
1: okay i grapple with that a lot moving to la more now than ever it's hard for me because this goes back to the work-life balance right like what actually makes you happy when you're laying on your deathbed what are you going to regret what do you wish you tried and for me, I'm just such a, I come from such a, a close family and being around my siblings and being around my parents is just so important. My nieces and nephews and, you know, my wife's side of the family. And that's not to say if I moved to LA, I wouldn't see them, but it would be a lot less. Like we do like Sunday dinners almost every week in my huge Irish Catholic family. We're always getting together. Very loud, obnoxious family. Yeah. So, yeah, for me, like, those are the questions that people need to answer for themselves. You know, like, is it what's worth it for you? Like, yeah, I would benefit immensely living in Los Angeles professionally a lot. <laughs> and I know that. But, yeah, you know, it's hard.
0: I mean, it could be beneficial. But, yeah, again, it's always there's always what ifs. Yeah. And like Gary you told me, cause, yeah, it's like getting caught up on those like what ifs. But you never know if going to L.A. is when you got coronavirus. If you went down yeah. three months ago, oh, you could have been the dude who got it dude. from the dude in Seattle and then brought it to LA and then you, you're dead because oh, yeah. you, you like, I don't know.
1: This is all chaos. And I, I think there's a lot of like meant to be in our life for sure. I think it's a balance of like destiny and our choices because I, I that's the best I can come up with because I've seen things in my life. I've been around long enough where I've seen a lot of destiny in my life. And then there's a lot of stuff that was I made that happen just by my choices and or lack of choices, right? So I don't know. I mean, it's I actually just go back on something. You're talking about the coronavirus. Can you imagine moving to somewhere, especially Los Angeles, someone that moves to LA and then the coronavirus hits and you have to stay inside and you don't even get to see the new place you live in? That would suck.
0: Oh, that's literally my new assistant's reality. Kyle, he moved down here in January. Oh, no. He's living with his dad who already lives down here so he has like free rent and uh yeah now he can't come over because his dad's like 72 it's too risky dude it's yeah it's it's awful uh and i feel really bad
1: where did he move from
0: uh only a few hours north which is good but like he left he was living on the beach three hours north
1: like santa barbara area a little past that
0: so san luis obispo
1: yeah, yeah. i used to go there a lot as a kid
0: okay cool You know exactly what I'm talking about.
1: I think I told you, I I was born in Newport Beach, San Juan Capistrano, Mission Viejo, that area. Yeah, yeah. And then I lived in the desert for like a year and a half. And then we moved to Oregon when I was, I think, 12, 11, something like that.
0: Yeah, and I do remember that. I feel like, though, there's, I've met some LA people who like don't know much about anything above Santa Barbara. It's like a a different country. Right. I'm like, guys, how, how?
1: It's a huge country or a huge state rather. Well, okay. So, to you, like, what's the importance? Um, you know, because we talked about this when I was on your show, but I, I want your perspective on it. You're very, very cognizant and you put a lot of effort into your branding and promotion and marketing. How important is that for not just producers and mix engineers, but really anyone doing anything? And then a follow up question and at what point should people start? Worrying about that and focusing on it.
0: I think it's literally the only important thing to me. Uh, I mean, okay, no. Besides the skill set, you you have to be good right. at the thing. If you make a bad pie, nobody's gonna buy your pie.
1: Still got to be a good cook. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if, if we're putting uh, the actual tack, the we assume that. Yeah, that's an assumption. Otherwise, then this doesn't apply. Actually, even then, you could still do it, but you would not position yourself as like I will make your record banging. You would say you could just still be Gary Vee documenting the journey of like learning how to make stuff.
1: Yes. That's a really good point.
0: Yeah. And actually that'd be, I would probably want to watch that more than somebody trying to flex about their life. Like if I could watch somebody day to day, like, all right guys, I've never mixed a rock song. So right. I don't know what I'm doing. Here we go. Let's see how yeah. it goes. Like, right. That I think that actually be one of the coolest things, but um, I think it's tremendously important. I can say that it breaks my heart seeing so many talented people who because they neglect this are either having a tough time with their business. They're having a hard time getting consistent leads because it's word of mouth and it it could be seasonal or it could just be you get 10 referrals and you have to turn six away and then you have no referrals for three months. The content and like the building your personal brand is the singular way to that from what I've seen and experienced has been the singular way that I've built stability in what I do relative stability uh, in what I do because It's the only way, like, for example, I I go in and I'll just comment on people's stuff on Instagram, you know, a singer songwriters and I'll say something about their voice, you know, I like about whatever the video's in just as kind of like a little like outreach way where I'm generally taking an interest in what they do. And the next day I have somebody filled up my type form to have me produce their stuff and they went through my content on their own, listened to my stuff, figured out they liked me, saw some clips of me talking Thought. Oh, I think I'd get along with this guy. Filled out the form. We had a video call last night, and you know, then he put in a deposit today. Right. And that can't happen without having content out there because he would have no way of knowing who I was. And even if I did it, even if I was interacting on his stuff, and then they went to my page and it was like, my dog. Hey, I'm making a. Uh, I'm making a, a thing, and then it's me playing board games. Or, like, I'm not presenting myself and what I'm doing, then he would have no way of knowing who I am. So, like, it's, I get so frustrated when people don't wanna do it because I've seen how powerful it is. And it's almost hard to communicate it tangibly um, with something that is so diverse and can be done in so many different ways. But I think people should care about it yesterday, like today. Like, this is, you should start it now because. Even if you're not the best, if you're just showing what you're working on, people again start to form the the associations with you as, oh man, yeah, that guy cooks a ton of tacos. Like he's like taco guy. I don't know. Like you'll start to build yeah. that reputation even without being uh, Will Putney. You don't you don't have to be top dog to still start building that reputation.
1: Yeah, and I think that you know it's funny. I, I'm I'm in an interesting age bracket where. I've, I've noticed this people who are like 34 to like 40, kind of that age that I, I'm kind of more in because I'm 36, that you get a little bit of both. You get people who are believers in the, in the more modern social media, you know, self-promotion sort of Gary V model. And then you get people who don't believe in it or they just refuse to do it. And that's been interesting for me, because people your age almost always are believers in it. And I think that's interesting. I mean, I know the answer, but why do you think that is?
0: Oh, man. Oh, now now there's a right or wrong answer. (laughs) I mean, I'll say for myself. <laughs>
1: You're going to get a lot of old dudes hate you now. <laughs>
0: Just kidding. Dude, I already have old dudes hating on me because I think the whole like no samples and no auto-tune stuff is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But uh, So I already have a couple of fan bases that don't like me right. that are large on YouTube.
1: <laughs> they can keep using their tape machines and, and whatever.
0: Yeah, hey, live, live your life, man. Yep. Okay, what I've experienced is I've experienced how effective it's been to compel me to make my decisions with – who I follow and who I pay attention to and who I'm uh, supporting and who I might hire for a thing. I've seen directly how content is responsible for that. Yeah. Just purely from the things that I, I buy and watch or like the channels I follow. And then the, uh, down the line, the way reason I would decide to buy their course or when I decided to buy Gary Vee's shoes, it's not because I even think they're like the sickest shoes, but I literally feel so indebted to him because he's put out so much stuff that's been helpful to me and I've felt so entertained and gotten so much from it. I was like, man, I gotta buy the, like, I literally feel like this is the only way I can support him. Cause I don't have $10,000 for the entry level consulting business. The
1: four D's.
0: Yeah. I can't do the four D's, but I can buy a pair of sneakers. I wish I could dude. that. That's goals. That's goals one day. But at the end of the day, I feel like I'm going to go in there and it'll be all the same stuff that he keeps saying. And which is what he says. He's like, I give away my, my good info for free. Yep. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's I've just seen firsthand how much it's effective where I think my parents aren't as influenced directly or as consistently. They just haven't experienced it as much as we have, but we've grown up in an ad of like digital uh, ads and retargeting and understanding how effective it can be to have all these touch points. So that's at least my answer. I want to know what your answer is because you've gone through the pre and the current versions of this more so than I have.
1: I mean, honestly, I think it's as basic as either access to the internet or a lack of access or experience rather. That's probably more accurate. You know, people who are my age, the internet, I'm like the last generation that really remembers not having the internet, like actually remembers it. You know, it wasn't really, I mean, we had the internet when, I mean, technically when I was a little kid, but like AOL, you know, like America online and stuff like that. I was like, I don't know, seventh grade maybe eighth grade and then you know it all through like the late 90s early 2000s yeah it was there a band had a dot-com a business had a dot-com there's you know the 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 websites were a thing but there's no social media not really myspace was like the first thing to actually take off where i saw my friends use it Mm -hmm. and and it was really great for bands you know i used to always say that it was like the perfect website for a band you could list your tour dates. You got pictures. You, you had, remember they had the uh, the music player, the MP3 player up there. Yep, it was and great. and it was so customizable. So customizable, it was great. You could interact with your fans. Perfect. And so I think that it's just it was just there was either people who got into it back then and and kept using it into their thirties, or there's people that didn't. And I know those people. They fought it the whole time, even when it first came out. MySpace is for fucking nerds. That is some hipster bullshit. I'm just going to go buy my records and stay old school, man. Fugazi and, you know, fucking black flag. And like, that's, that's all they cared about. So I don't know. I, I think, I think it's really just as easy as that. People saw the proof of it. And then some people don't, but for you and your generation, it's, it couldn't be more clear. I mean, it's pretty, it's like nine out of 10 people, your age are believers in this new model.
0: Oh yeah. It's so simple too. like, to, to even throw it out as an example, what, I mean, what URM preaches, what Brian hood preaches, what like all of the kind of these business guys preaches. It's like, Hey, when somebody has to make a decision of what to purchase, they are only going to think of two to three, maybe four options off the top of their head. You know, mm. it's like, mm. where are you going to go for groceries? You know, right. Uh, you got Whole Foods, Ralph's, Trader Joe's. Yeah, Who are you going to go to for this music video? You probably have a few people right off the top of your head. And if you want to help insert yourself to becoming one of those people, again, assuming you're good, uh, service provided equivalent to actual technical work, the people that are going to pop up first in your head are the people that have been a part of your life and have a positive part of your life, have entertained or provided information or education or some infotainment or something you've been able to engage with. And the people that have reciprocated that energy back into what you do yourself. So that, and then that's just simply the psychology of, man, I need to produce this track. John, Andrew Simmons, like, you know, like, I don't know, there's, they'll have a couple of people, but it'll be a very small pocket because they've seen something from me every single day. and they 've been entertained they 've learned a few things they 've just seen the process, they see kind of Your
1: front of mind always
0: yeah t- I'm top of mind, and that's top of mind yeah that is so powerful because the more it grows to i think what the people the non believers forget is the stupid amount of scale where you literally couldn't buy enough ads, well I guess you could, but like the amount of scale and power of that organic scale when you're when i'm touching twenty warm clients that i've worked with or have considered working with me. With ten minutes of like, you know, just me doing this to the drum beat. Yep. You know, like that's ten minutes of my time, and I just I just crept into the yeah the lives of of all the people that care about me in in, in ten minutes. No, it makes and it makes sense. It's insane. Um, so I've just seen it, and I can't like I can't deny the results for myself, and I think as people our age,
1: can you clarify too? Because. Another thing that our shared online mentor, Gary Vaynerchuk, talks about is to be really careful and cognizant of not always going in for the ask. If you are going to choose to do this, don't use your Instagram account constantly to ask for things and like, hey, I got a sale going on. Click the link to buy my thing. That's not what we're saying. We're saying the opposite. You know, A lot of give ton of value, a lot of content that adds value to people's lives, whether it's a podcast, cool Instagram stories and videos, YouTube video, a book, it doesn't matter. I don't care what it is. Just give people something that adds value to their life and then that embedded ask should be organically, naturally in there through time. But you don't want to just keep asking people for shit because that never works.
0: Oh yeah, 100%. Yeah, we we see it very much the same.
1: But how does that work for you? Like, how, How do you figure that out? When do you decide to go for the ask?
0: Oh man, I haven't, I, I, I pull so few asks. Um, I think in the last 18 months, I don't know if I've ever said who needs a producer on my social media. Yeah. I've said like, join this Facebook group. I mean, obviously I've like clicked the YouTube video, like content, maybe, you know, like, like click a thing, but it's not for money. Um, I'm actually pretty averse to it. And I, I actually just had to talk with my business coach about this because
1: you have a business coach.
0: I do. Yeah. And he taught, he told me, he's like, John, you need to. you're too ask averse and it's fine to, to present something that is going to be the right fit. And you don't say it like guys, three alert emojis. You know, I have, you know, I'm so excited to show you guys something that's going to change your life. Shock face, shock face. Like it's not cringe status. You know, we came up with ways for me to add, to make the ask organically. And it's not even an ask. It's just saying, here's the available offer. If you're interested and this is you, it could be good for you, blah, blah, blah. So like, I think for myself, I'm only going for the ask when I feel like it's tremendously the right fit for the person and I don't even bring it up or in a conversation even say like, Hey, well, that's kind of what I do. Like, Oh, I do this. Like, how do you feel? You know, unless they're bringing up pain points that I specifically solve with, with my offer. So I yeah. think that's where a lot of people yeah, people get tripped up too. it's, they post the mix, you know, they're like filming the screen and then, you know, they'll they'll play it and then it's like you know, great. It makes with at band name, you know, DM me if you need mixing or mastering. And it's like, that's, that might work. I I, I don't know. I don't think it attracts a very, the right kind of client. And I, um, I think at the end of the day, people, then this is the thing. If you're doing per content and you're trying to build a personal brand, but your brand is based on over asking people will tune you out. So it, it can do more right. harm if you're trying to...
1: It comes across spammy.
0: If you're coming across spammy and it's very clear that your only intention is to get sales, right? then people pick up on it because it happens all the time.
1: No, and that's actually something I, I like about you and people like you. And I, I'm, I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass. I really don't get the impression that that's your goal. The goal I get or the impression I get from you every time I talk to you is that you want to talk to me. You're excited to talk yeah. to? You. You're excited, you're pumping, you're fucking dancing, you're you're hilarious. And I think that that's like I think that's the way to win, man, cuz you you genuinely want to do what you're doing. You're excited to do the work you're doing. You're excited to talk to the people you're talking to. The business will come. It'll it'll happen because of that. I think that's a valuable thing.
0: Thank you. And on top of that too, it's that I know that if you need what you see I do, whether it's you, whether it's Jimmy Blimmy or, you know, mm-hmm. Shauna, like over here, our connection again, cause I'm top of them. I know that that time will come when it's right. And if I DM you and be like, Hey man, like, yeah, I don't know if you like, if you did need any pop music, like, just like, let me know. That isn't going to work cause you clearly don't. Otherwise you would have brought it up because you clearly know right. like my business. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's a really good point. So it, it, it should happen organically if you're doing a good job just documenting what you do and making sure that it's not spammy asks, just having a relationship. And like, again, I a client of mine. She booked a, a show for that band that I was in a long time ago. And then I produced her like two years later. Cause she, uh, Oh no, excuse me. I asked her who was playing piano on a track that she posted and I didn't bring it up, but then she like, Oh yeah, blah, blah, blah you know, this thing is happening. And like, I, I actually, I, I have another song kind of in the queue mm. and I, I don't, you know, know who I want to go with on it. And I'm like, okay, then that's like a sales conversation. But I just genuinely thought that guy's sick. Who is that? You know, and I'm not coming in thinking, I'm going to ask this question and then try to parlay it into a sale. Right. I just have a genuine care. And I think uh, I've gotten some clap back from people who are like, you're just trying to sell. I'm like, dude, I dare you to never buy or support me in any way. Right. Don't like anything. You don't even have to, I mean, if you don't care. Yeah. If you want it, great. It's there if you want to follow and never like a post, you actually they'll probably won't show up eventually, but, uh, but but like if, if you want to digest it and then never support anything beyond just watching it, that's fine. I have no grudge. I have no, Mm -hmm. you don't owe me. Oh, here it is. This is what it is. I think the, a lot of the producers feel, and I think schools reinforce the concept of you're entitled to be paid for your time. And it's the worst trash. Uh, shout out, shout out, to, to my call to the college I attended uh you know for instilling that in people um and it's just super super toxic and it bleeds over so when somebody doesn't say like, oh yeah, we don't want somebody else it's like, oh well, you know you're they're lost like it's like no dude, like yeah f- it was it wasn't the right fit like I had people I've had lost test mixes and they're like, I'm so sorry, man, like we love you so much blah blah, blah. and I'm like, yeah dude i I love you and I'm glad you have a person that works. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't me. And that's fine, because you found somebody who did a better job than yes. I did. And
1: the music gods have spoken.
0: The Yeah, the music gods have spoken. The music is being loved. And you found the guy who's going to do that for you. And it's not me. But I love you as people.
1: Yeah. And honestly, instead of you trying to chase that down and convince them to stay with you, it actually planted a better seed in them so that maybe down the road, they can work with you on a different thing or they'll refer you to a friend. It didn't maybe it didn't work for them, but it might work. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's way better of a of a move. I was gonna ask you one last thing that I, I like to ask pretty much anyone I talk to. What is your your general take on the music industry now? Like, are you hopeful? Are you pessimistic? What's your vibe?
0: Man, I mean, I'm a natural optimist, probably to the point of being annoying to a lot of people. <laughs> but but that's fine because at the end of the day, like, I can't I can't help that. And then again, I just tell them like, yeah, I, that's cool. Like, you can just leave. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I, I I don't need you here. Smiling either way.
0: Yeah, but I'm incredibly incredibly hopeful. I think the last five years that I've been trying to take it seriously, in the last three years of it going mod like prosperously well, it's an incredibly powerful time to see people who are embracing. Wearing the different hats that teach them a lot of high-value skills to bring into their music. I think we're creating, and when I say we're like the industry, the proxy of the internet and needing to do so creates a lot of people where you can most of the time be in a position to create the reality you'd like to make. And I, I, we need to put aside like systemic problems and racial inequities and uh, families might be born into in circumstances uh, beyond your control and crippling mental health problems and disabilities and all that kind of stuff. But because it's so real and I can't obviously address those experiences, but yeah, there's examples of Kendrick Lamar being born in Compton and like coming up in gangs. And right. like there's, there's examples of people sure. in all walks of life that are doing stuff in music in the, in the new age, in the new era that are doing insane things. And that's what gives me hope is I see that more than ever, there's an incredible diversity that continues to thrive. And it ultimately comes down to people who I feel are open-minded and are always executing, taking that information in and then pivoting accordingly. At the end of the day, that's all I've done. I think I'm super ineffective with a lot of stuff I do, but I'm getting better at honing that in. But I just try some shit like, oh, that sucked. And then I try a new thing. And I've seen that with all the people that continue to to grow in some form is it's not being attached to it. And they're like, cool, oh, that didn't work. Let me Google like uh, a, a different kind of uh, thing to do with this with video color treatment and they'll find the answer and they'll do it. So like the information right. is there. And so I, I have so much hope because we have the information and if the people truly want it, they can go find it or they can hire somebody who does, you know. Like all the infrastructure exists to do anything, which is super crazy. And it has its own set of problems, but I'm hopeful as fuck about the next like 10 to 20 years. That's great. Even if it's 2004, four, I'd somehow still be hopeful. Oh. <laughs> I, I'm sure. I'm sure I would be.
1: That's awesome, man. That's great. Oh, I'm sure you would too. would be very <laughs> surprised if you weren't hopeful in 2004. One last question to take us down and soft landing or whatever analogy you want to use. What's one piece of content that you would recommend to someone whether it's a book you just read a a movie you watched a show youtube video i don't care song whatever what's one piece of content you would recommend
0: i think every single person who wants to do anything musical should it should actually i think it should be required in school to read the book e-myth revisited say that again it's called e like the letter e dash myth revisited i don't know who it's by but if you google it there's one of them that book single handedly I've listened to it twice because i'm not a i'm not a reader reader it like i I felt personally attacked probably six times through that book, but in a really good sobering way because
1: mm, like he's talking to you
0: <laughs> yeah he's cla- he clapped at me hard right with facts in reality, which is what i I needed to hear. It's a really interesting journey- it's a brilliant book, and it's just this journey of like kind of him and and walking through a lot of these business principles the e myth is the entrepreneur myth. And the lack of like baseline business understanding that so many people have about how to run any kind of a business. And it, it almost sounds rude to say that, but like it, it's a very true thing. And any, it's a great illumination sure, sure. of breaking up the pillars that do make it up in a way that isn't, there's no like, well, you know, you need to look at your uh, estimated lifetime value. And when you're looking at your, you know, your cost of acquisition, like it's none of that crap. It's, it's very, uh, normy normy uh discussion mm. but very practical very um it, it, it's just it's just so illuminating and i i'm so glad that i was recommended it by other people and and i feel like i almost yeah with caution people don't start a don't start your business or don't take it seriously until you've read this book because you'll save wow. yourself so many problems and um it's transformed my perspective it's helped me become a better leader uh working with Kyle and making sure that i'm i'm taking care of him Actually, I might do a whole podcast episode on that in the future.
1: Oh well, hell yeah, that's a strong recommendation. I will definitely check that out.
0: It's fiery. It's a fiery one, man. I feel very strongly about this book.
1: Fuck yeah, I can't wait.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, where can people find you, dude? Well, the only the problem is once you jump into the web, it's hard to leave. I'm all I'm. I will infect your uh, your feed. Yeah. <laughs> just ask my poor sister who only logs on to Facebook once a week. It's hard to scroll past my posts. You can find me on Facebook. I don't do business page. I just have my personal one. You can see my beautiful beard. It's hard to miss. Uh, same thing on YouTube. Uh, YouTube.com slash John McLucas is music, which is, uh, I mean, well, my name will be in the title, so you should know how to spell it. Um, and then on Instagram, John underscore McLucas. That beautiful, beautiful guy. Fantastic. I don't really tweet, but YouTube, Twitter, excuse me, YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook are the main spots. And I've been having a good time on TikTok, uh, but it's, it's nothing that serious. But if you want like the serious, like where I'm doing business, it's a lot of Instagram and a lot of Facebook.
1: Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Instagram again is John underscore Mick Lucas. And I'll put all this stuff in the show notes. Yeah. Cool. Dude, stoked to talk to you. This was really fun. We got two podcasts done. Amazing. Yeah. We did it.